0: Thank you for joining us for Sermons On Demand from Friendship Grace Brethren Church. We provide these videos as a way to share the pulpit messages and teachings offered at Friendship Grace Brethren Church. If you find these videos a helpful resource, please drop us a note at info at friendshipgracebrethren.com. Now open your Bibles and get ready to dig into the Word of God.
1: Okay, let's, uh, let's pray. Father, you are a great and awesome God, and we love you, and uh, we want to serve you. Thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you for loving us and calling us to be your children. Um, thank you for uh, this series we've been watching, uh, The Engagement Project. We just trust that that would show us how to, uh, to be mindful of the folks around us and to be involved with them uh, better. Thank you for all of that. Give us a great time today as we honor you and glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Kate, are you getting my audio? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. We are tour nine, the last tour. I ordered the books for uh, um, our next series, Case Builders Christian Case Builders. Um, and that will take us quite a while because there's 30 lessons in that. I found the other one. You found the other one? I, I yeah, you you did Yeah, did. you, you did. You sent me an email text. text an email. Yeah. No, it was an email text. Is that what it was? Yeah. 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 yeah
0: you can, you can but I found it right text. after we talked and you have it on the yeah. prompt set on okay. the contacts. Yeah.
1: It's yeah. weird, but you can do it. I, uh, I, I ordered six copies of each of the four books one for each family to to have so that we can uh, work through that and i'll have the the accompanying handouts printed in time as well
0: that should probably
1: Everybody else has the same look on, my, on their face, so I'm I've guessing heard none heard of us have it. no idea what you're talking about. Okay, anyway, we're in, we're in Tour 9, uh, Part 1, Band of Brothers. Any questions or comments before we go? Okay, then, here, let's go.
2: Because if I climb into the bus tomorrow and look in the rearview mirror, you won't be there. (laughs) But remember that we've been taking tours primarily to gaze upon the face of God. And what is so wonderful and marvelous is that God has given you the privilege to take those tours anytime you want to. He has revealed himself to us, and we can turn and gaze upon his face whenever we want to. And I hope you'll want to constantly, every day. Because there is no greater tour you can take than to do that. So you know that I have been fascinated by those encounters that finite man has with the living God. And I suspect that when Moses encountered God, that has to be up there with one of the greatest encounters, right? Up on the mountain with God and all that took place there. And do you remember that when Moses came down from the mountain, there was something very interesting about him? What was it? His face face was glowing. His face was glowing. Why was his face glowing? Glory of God. He'd been in the presence of God. And then what was very strange about this, to remember Moses would speak to the people, and it says, when Moses finished speaking, he put a veil over his face. Why did he do that? Why did Moses put a veil over his face? It's too much to look at for everybody? Like it was too intense? Well, that some people think that because the the Israelites were afraid when they when they saw this, and so some people think that he put that veil over so that they weren't afraid of that. But you know, the Spirit of God spoke through Paul and told us why. In 2 Corinthians, it's very interesting. This is the passage about Moses and you. Look what the Holy Spirit is speaking through Paul and saying, therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. Why did he put a veil on his face? What was fading away? The, the, radiance the radiance. The presence of God. The glory of God that was shining from his face was fading away. It's kind of like if you have a beautiful rose and you want people to see it and then all of a sudden it starts to die. You don't want people to watch it die. And so that's why he put a veil in his face. But it continues. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord... The veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. What is going on here? What is so different between Moses and you? In the Old Covenant, under the Old Covenant, the presence of God and the Spirit of God would come upon people in more of a temporary form. And then it would go away. But why does Paul say that we're not like Moses and that we don't wear a veil why christ because of christ the veil has been torn pardon me the veil's been torn okay the veil's been torn what is it saying here why do we not why did moses wear a veil again why do you wear a veil because it's fading. It fading because it's fading away why do we not wear because it's a veil it's not fading it's not fading
0: well. it's he's eternal where is not the turn.
2: presence of god within us. within us within you it's not going away. And you don't have to wear a veil like Moses did. In other words, to some extent, we're better off than Moses. Can you, can you believe that? We're better off than Moses was. Okay, so look at this. Because this is very interesting. Whenever anyone turns the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. What is this saying? Who is the Lord in this passage? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Spirit. Jesus. Now it's saying Jesus is the Lord. The Spirit of this. See, this is interesting to us. Unless we understand the nature of God, and that is, try your nature of God. The Lord is the Spirit. Do you remember when we read earlier from Isaiah? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And what shall he be called? Do you remember? Wonderful. Wait a second, isn't that the name of the Spirit of the Holy Spirit? Wonderful Counselor. Everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. Mighty? God. God. Okay. So we understand this. Why? Because we understand in the triune nature of God that he is one. And so here, the I think it is the spirit of God drawing our attention back again to this. And I think there is a reason why. And, and I want to walk through this with you as well we were asking the question why did jesus leave and, and that uh extraordinary event that kicked off what we were calling the epic of engagement and the other extraordinary event was that the spirit of god came upon all of his people and so we're told this, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. We talked about that. What kind of a strange thing is there? I think you begin to understand it in just a second as well. The helper will not come, but if I go, I will send him to you. The helper will be sent to you. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Je- Jesus is speaking later on. And he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. Is this something, is someone different? Is this something, something other than what we just said Jesus was going to send? No, it's the same one. The Father and the Son are sending the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's keep going. Do you remember when Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans? I will come to you. When is that? Is Jesus speaking of that future event? No, he isn't. Look at this other statement. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. Who is making their abode with us? in that passage? The Father. and Christ. The Father. And Christ. And the Son. And the Holy Spirit. Who dwells in you? The Holy And the Holy Spirit. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God himself dwells within you. You can't pull God apart. It's easy for us to become polytheistic, my friends, and we do not serve a God who is polytheistic theistic. We serve one God. And yes, he dwells, he exists in three persons, and oftentimes the scripture speaks of him uh, in a particular personal name as the primary thing that is coming from that person, but that is God. And so you are indwelt The reason I'm saying this is some people don't have a sense that God himself is dwelling within you, but he is. And why does he come to dwell within us? Well, I think one of the reasons is because he's coming that we might fulfill his will, to do his will. That's what Jesus said, right? That he was doing everything the Father told him to do. And you and I are indwelt by God himself, that we might be able to manifest his glory by doing what he's asking us to do. And I think that's representative in those three meta-commands we were talking about. I call them the three agapes, right? Reflecting the crown jewel in the nature of God. Love God, love your neighbor, and love one another. And we concentrated on love your neighbor. Why? Because the scripture said everything was boiled down to that. But I want to I pull us back to three, these three uh, commands for a minute because we want to tie a few bows up here, if, if you'll allow me to do so. So let's look at this commandment. Remember, uh, Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And this is really an important part of this passage because Jesus is saying, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. And as we have already talked about, that was, that was not a casual acquaintanceship. There was something deep about it. There was something... Um, to some extent, we, we could say it was it was a very close-knit relationship that Jesus had built with those in his small group and even more deeply to those three. So now we want to talk about what does that mean. And I, I think it's critical for us because God's commandments are not just because he wants us to go do things and so forth. They're good for us he loves us remember he's seeking your true good he's seeking your shalom and his commands are part of that work of you being a fruitful creature so let's look at this command and you know you've seen this over and over again because it's very prominent in the new testament the commands for us to love one another even that most remarkable statement by Jesus when he said all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another and I think that is not uh, our current love one another were and I'm not demeaning but really we have to be honest about how we as a body of Christ look today and we don't have deep relationships with each other as as we should so, and, and in 1 Thessalonians, now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need of anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. This is the message, In John even writes, this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Since you, have in, since you have in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another. It's, I mean, it's over and over again. We could spend a long time going through each one of those passages, but this is what the Lord has commanded us to do. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Where does this love come from? It comes from God. We've been talking about that over and over again. You don't have to gin this up somehow. It is, God is bearing that in you. Our job is just not to quench it. Let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves God is born of God. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If we love one another, God abides in us. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you love one another. So what does this look like? In some of our previous tours, we talked about these reciprocal commands that I think are the the picture of what it means for us to love one another. We're to bear one another's burdens, we're to pray for one another, We're to be kind to one another. We're to admonish one another. We're to build one another up. We're to live in harmony with one another. Encourage, submit, serve, accept one another, be devoted to one another, teach one another, comfort one another, forgive one another. All of these are pictures, I think, of what it means when Jesus said, I want you to love one another even as I have loved you. And that leads us to what I would want to encourage you to consider. And that in this, God is calling us to a deep relationship with believers. And that doesn't mean mm-hmm. big And shallow, it means small and deep. And the reason that it's small and deep is because, practically speaking, you can't do that with a whole bunch of people. You can't. And Jesus was our example, right? We talked about that. He had 12 in a small group, but even that was too big. He poured himself into three. And so I want to... Lay this before you as a brother in Christ that you consider becoming part of a group. I will call it a life group that is a small number of people who are now committed to each other that you can then be devoted to one another, you can truly pray for one another, you can encourage each other, you can admonish each other when that's necessary. My wife and I have been involved in a small group for, I think, over 20 years. It's a life group. And when we first started, We committed to grow old together. Hmm. And now that we have grown old together, we are now committed to die together. And then that's not, you know, you know, we're gonna all die at the same that not that kind of die together. But let me tell you what it means. We are committed to walk through this journey together even when we begin to pass on to the Lord. So what this means to me in my life group, if I don't make it home from this tour, I know that there are four men and five, well, there are four men and four ladies who are going to care for my wife. I know that. Why because we 're committed to each other to do so, and that 's why I could bore you all day with pictures we we don't we just don't hang out at church on sunday sometimes we We go to the mountains together, we hike together we uh, we, we have christmas together we we climb to the top of a, of a mountain together. I have pictures from uh National parks, we have pictures, we go to a bluegrass festival together. We are a life group and we're committed to each other. And I'm not here to tell you that we're doing all of these reciprocal commands like we should. We're still working on that. But we have the opportunity to do that. Why? Because it's small and we can go deeper and deeper. I'm just Submitting to you to prayerfully consider that God has asked us to do this and it is for your shalom. Seek the Lord in this matter. Okay? Loving one another. All right, we have dealt with this next one, love your neighbor, but we've kind of left the last part off and I said we'd deal with it. And it's now time for us to deal with this second part, love your neighbor as yourself. So what in the world does this mean? Well, what do you think the world thinks this means? What do you think the world would say if we said you were to love yourself? What might that be interpreted as?
0: Following your own script.
2: I think that's exactly right. I think you have nailed it, Nancy. That fo- I'm going to follow my own, I'm going to be true to my own heart. Now, there's some good to that. There's a authenticness there, but I've seen how that morphs into basically, I'm going to do what my heart tells me to do, okay? And to love myself means to do what I want to do. I think that's probably true. Okay, so, What though if we then take this word, agape, as we have defined it, and now substitute it in the command, love your neighbor, and the implied here is, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so let's substitute that here. Love your neighbor as you have a sacrificial zeal that seeks your true good, your shalom. Because I think that's what the command is saying. So let's look at this for a second. Let's first of all look at the word sacrifice. What would it mean if we're now thinking about loving myself in a sacrificial way? What does that mean? How can you be sacrificial with yourself?
1: Like not... Maybe putting my needs first.
2: Okay. Maybe putting your needs in in proper order, not doing certain things so other things can take priority. So can I rephrase that just a little bit and see if we're saying no to yourself? Mm -hmm. Saying no to yourself. Did Jesus say anything like this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, he did. (laughs) If anyone wishes to come after me, he must say no to himself. He must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And I would submit to you that this is loving yourself. If, right? If you truly love yourself, then you will say no to those things that your sinful nature and the world and the enemy are trying to get you to do. And maybe you even want to do them. And God would say, this does not lead to your true shalom. And so if you are to love yourself, you would say no to yourself. Why? Because you want to be everything that God has made you to be. Not what the world wants you to be, not what your flesh wants to be, but what God wants you to be, and we have to say no to ourselves. Now, this makes us uncomfortable, because we live in a culture that thinks saying no to yourself will bring about some sort of mental ill health And I will say to you, it will bring about mental wellness if we follow what God is asking us to do. Okay, let's look at at something else here. Love your neighbor as you have a sacrificial zeal that seeks your true good, your shalom. What does it mean to seek your shalom, to seek your own true good? And I would say if we're going to do that, we need to recognize that there are things that help you in that and there are things that hinder you in that. And it's part of loving yourself to say no to those things that would hinder and say yes to those that would prosper you in that way. And to realize that the desires of the sinful nature are destructive to you Physically, we need to be healthy as best we can. Eat well. Sleep well. Consider those things. Why? You don't want to be a diseased plant. Exercise. Mental health. And one of the studies, and of course, Gentry could tell us as a counselor and Melissa and so forth, one of the keys to mental health are good relationships with people. Seek excellence in your, in your family. That's part of relationships as well. Excellence in your vocation, in your ministry. Relationships are critical. Your relationship to God. Remember when we were talking about what? What would it take to build a deep relationship with someone? And we listed a lot of things. Go back and look at all those things and think about in terms of what would it take to build a deeper relationship with Christ. Time, talking, okay. They're just practical. Just practical things that, that we want to do if we're going to love our, ourselves as, as we've been commanded And the enemy recognizes the enemy is going to throw all kinds of obstacles in your path. Why? Because he does not want you to be a fruitful creature that brings glory to God. And one of the key obstacles that the world, the flesh, and the enemy will bring into our life is pride. You remember what happened to Uzziah? Uzziah was that... It starts out, his uh, biography starts out really well. You know, he was, he was a king that did everything right in the eyes of the Lord. I mean, God blessed him, and, and it goes on and on how God had blessed him. And then you come to that, that horrible thing it said, but when Uzziah became proud, that's when everything went south and then you remember uzziah became powerful and filled with pride and that's when he thought he could go into the temple and do what the the priests were only allowed to do and the lord struck him with leprosy and he had leprosy all the days of his life and he wasn't even buried with the kings it's a sad ending to a wonderful story thank god that we're no longer in that but still it is um helpful to us to understand that pride is something that will be an obstacle to us. And that's why we need a life group to help us. Because sometimes we can't see it in ourselves, And that's why one of the reciprocal commands, you know, is that we are to admonish one another. Okay? The big one here, it's all about me. It's all about my script, and I added fear because I think those go together. You can be so caught up in your own script that it will make you fearful of things that might interrupt your script. And you can have a very pious script. You can have a very pious script about you and your family and your children. And you can be fearful of those things that might interrupt your script. Now, remember, we always must act with wisdom. I'm not telling you to do those things that are unwise, and you let the Spirit of God lead you. He will will lead you. He will guide you. But do not be taken by fear. Why? You have not been given a spirit of
0: fear
2: fear and timidity. But you've been given a spirit of... Power?
0: Love.
2: And love? Self discipline. Sound mind, self control. Okay. Isolation. The world is isolating us. The enemy wants you isolated. He wants you alone. And that is an obstacle to you. He wants to get you dependent. He wants you to become dependent on some higher power that isn't God. Our dependency on God, remember, don't get this wrong. We, We could have talked of this a little bit more. Let's talk about it now. We were talking about dependency in what happens when the enemy consolidates power and makes dependence And it destroys their fruitfulness, their incentive, and and all of that stuff. That can happen in your spiritual life. You can find yourself just being a nice horsey that walks along. Because that's easy. And that's where the enemy wants you. And God doesn't want you there. Doom. Doom gloom, apathy, all of those death emotions as well. They're obstacles to you. And they're not only obstacles to you. Remember, I want you to see this in light of the downstream life. Those obstacles are not only to you, but they oppress and suppress the fruit that God is wanting to be formed in you. Because that fruit will then cultivate new life. Persistent sins. Let's be honest. If there are persistent sins in your life, get rid of them as best you can. And the best way to do that, in a life group. Confess those when it's appropriate to to a man or to a woman as it's appropriate. Mm -hmm. And ask them to pray with you. They are weeds around your feet and a lack of vision. So here is our vision. Again, it's it's simple. Uh, it really is. It may seem hard, but it isn't. And it's it's brilliant. Christian families who are committed, committed to the shalom of their neighbors. We're going to build deep relationships with those who have been providentially placed near us. We are going to pray for them, and we're going to act upon those prayers. We're going to do it with grace and wisdom and truth. We're going to allow the Spirit of God to make us attractively winsome with, a, with joy and peace and all of the fruit of the Spirit. We are going to tear down walls. It may take 20 years. Be patient. Taking a brick down one at a time. We are going to build up trust. And we're going to do the work of the kingdom. As best as God would allow. And I pray that you might make your home an embassy. Of the kingdom of heaven so that all of you if you're single uh, if you have others in your household that you all see yourself as an ambassador in the kingdom of heaven why because things are not good around us the world is in desperate need of God's people being light and salt. In the ten weeks that most of us would take to go through these tours, just in ten weeks there's been a lot of weeping and a lot of moaning and a lot of groaning in, in our culture. In those ten weeks, look at the moaning and the groaning that has occurred in the world around us. Over a half a million people have died, and most of them in our culture have died without a witness from a Christian neighbor. People who were sick spiritually, blind spiritually, people who were spiritually in prison, people who are alone and isolated, and, and they live right next door? Yes. Yes, I do sometimes feel lonely.
1: I don't. I never have. I definitely feel alone. I didn't really
0: have friends.
1: It's almost like that feeling, like, I don't mind being alone. I don't want to be, I don't want to feel like I'm by myself.
0: I think, I think what everybody's looking for is um, someone else to embrace. Their otherness. What would life be without other people, you know? Be lonely.
1: What I really love is myself. I believe that I was a soul in another place, and it shows this physical body to express itself? I don't think I have the exact answer. In my head, I I need to believe that the journey continues, that the questions are there for not us to find the right answer, but our answer.
2: And uh, the world's answer is going to lead to more isolation and loneliness, because that's what the enemy wants. We now live in a land of naught. You remember the story of Josiah. It's a strange story to me. I don't know uh, how in the world it's possible for Israel, the children of Israel, how how in the world did they lose? You know, they're cleaning the temple, right? Josiah says, oh, go clean up the temple. Josiah was a young king, teenager. Go clean up the temple. They're cleaning up the temple, remember? And they, they come out and they say, well, we, we, found, we found this thing hidden behind the altar. Well, it was, it was the word of God. It was the law of God. And, and so they read it in Josiah's presence. And you remember when he heard the word of the, of the Lord, he, he tore his robes. And, uh, I, and I, feel, I feel like this is kind of the same thing. It is for me, at least. And, and I think the question is, will we tear our robes? Will, and, and by that, you know what I mean. Will, will, this, will this be something that convicts us? Will we begin to believe this in our heart that the Lord has called us to do this? If if you commit to do this, I've told you this before, I'm going to say it again. It's something I have discovered. (laughs) It's a brilliant thing I've discovered. If you ask the Lord for something He wants to do, (laughs) He's going to do it. Mm -hmm. And if you... Go before the Lord, and I, I would recommend you go before the Lord as a family, your family unit. The Lord, we want to do this. You've asked us to do this. I believe you've asked us to do this. I believe that we're not where we are by chance, and I believe our neighbors are not where they are by chance, and we want to do this. But we don't know them at all. Lord, would you just give us an opportunity to meet them? And it will happen. Okay, so i got to tell you a story. We live up in the Black Forest of Colorado. We live on 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 a lot. And when we bought that lot and built our house, there was a flag lot behind us. And I thought, well, no one would ever build on that lot because there's no access to that lot except through our property. And uh, we actually thought about buying, but it was too much. And things were fine, the, the forest and the woods back there. And then someone bought that lot and built a house on that lot and plowed a driveway right through my backyard. And I wasn't too happy about that. I wasn't thinking. Oh god just planted a neighbor in my backyard. <laughs> I wasn't thinking that. And so I'll be honest with you. When they drove through my backyard, I didn't I didn't even wave at them. I probably had a sour look on my face cuz it irritated me. And then I got convicted. And so I began to at least wave. I didn't pray 'Cause quite frankly, I didn't want to know these people, but I thought I'd at least act like it. And so I, I'd wave. Now I will tell you, sometimes I can be sarcastic, and my wife, you know, chides me about this. And so I'd wave and they did and I not surprising because I haven't been very friendly to them for several years, and I'd wave and nothing. And so then I got sarcastic. I'd wave. I mean I really would. It was horrible. I would and they just drive on it. So I'm up in where, uh, my writing room, my son's room that he's, he's gone now. And my window overlooks the driveway that, that runs through my yard. And I'm praying. It's Wednesday. And I'm convicted. I say, Lord, I'm deeply sorry. I, and my prayer for my neighbors always skipped him because I said, well, he's not on the left, he's not on the right, he's not across the street.
1: <laughs>
2: you know? I'm taking the legal path out here. And, for, and the Lord just brings this guy and this family to mind. And I said, God, I'm sorry. I, I am. And I realize, I oh, forgive me. And this is, this is what I do. I said, Lord, give me an opportunity to meet these people. Well, it had snowed, and sometimes uh, in Colorado, we can get a lot of snow. And I don't know, it may have been a foot, something like that. And I look up, and guess who I see shoveling that long, long driveway? And you know what I did? I said, no, no Lord, no, I'm, I'm working on love your neighbor stuff here, and I'm really busy working on le- I did. <laughs> and the Lord, bam. And so I went downstairs, and I'm putting on my stocking cap and gloves, and my, and my wife looks at me and she says, where are you going? And I said, guess who's shoveling his driveway? And she smiled and she said, I think she's thinking of her flower bed. She smiled, and she said, well, don't have a heart attack. (laughs) And I spent the next two hours in the most delightful conversation with my neighbor. We're still growing that. I haven't been as good about that as I should, but we're still growing that. When he sees me doing something, he'll stop and say, can I help you? When I see him now, and we're so we're beginning that relation but I tell you that because I want you to know God will do this. He he really will, honestly. And I I just I just pray that God is going to stir us up uh, the body of Christ that he'll stir us up.
1: anybody awake huh what (laughs) okay we'll we'll go back over some of this next week and then conclude this um, so you'll get a chance to see how he puts it all all together let's pray father thank you for what you do for us thank you for loving us and calling us to be your children father uh, you have blessed us tremendously And you've put us in places where we can have an impact as we engage with others. So just remind us to do that each time. Thank you for all that you do. Give us a great service to follow in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Thank you for watching or listening to this teaching on demand from Friendship Grace Brethren Church. Please consider sending us an email at info at friendshipgracebrethren.com to let us know how this teaching may have helped you. Please also consider joining us in person at Friendship Grace Brethren Church, located at 10251 Metro Parkway, Suite 116, Fort Myers, Florida, just south of the intersection of Metro and Colonial Boulevard. Sunday school begins at 9 and worship service at 10 a.m. We look forward to seeing you in person at Friendship Grace Brethren Church.